Greetings from Quail Lakes Baptist Church in Stockton, California. Thank you for your interest in our downloadable messages. Our more recent teachings, such as Pastor Mark's current sermon series, are always available on iTunes. However, for a more comprehensive offering of Quail's Bible-based teachings from Pastor Mark and others, we offer an extensive archive of downloadable sermon MP3s on our website, as well as information on our fellowship and our ministries. Please visit us online at www.qlbc.org. These messages are also available on CD or cassette. For more information, please call our church office at 209-951-7380. We trust you will be blessed and edified by what you are about to hear. Thank you for listening. I don't even have to do like the good morning thing again that we usually do. Okay, ready? We're ready, right? Here we go. How many of you, when you look at your life, go, I should seriously have my own TV show? (laughs) Right, because I do, right? Because I look at my day-to-day and I can't believe all the things that happen to me. The people that I encounter, the situations that I stumble upon, The wait, did that really just happen moments, right? And these happen all the time in my life, and I'm like, what is going on? And each day, I never know what's going to be next, right? Am I going to be in a sitcom? Am I going to a drama? Is it going to be an action thing? I wish it was going to be sci-fi, but that one's tough, right? And it's this thing where all these things are happening to me, and no matter what it is, I just wake up and the script writes itself. Because I could never, even in my warped mind, write the way these storylines come out. One of my favorite episodes of my own life, right, was a few years back. It's actually a mini-series, but we're going to condense it for this, this morning. So um, I was like, wait, what? I can't do that. Um, we're going to cut it down, because the thing is that it's really long, but it's fun. Is this, is that a couple years ago, I led a trip to Costa Rica. Um, it was a missions trip just a few years back. And in it, the thing is, this is how it happened. We gather the team, we get the whole thing, months and months of preparing, planning, fundraising, and the team's ready to go. And the morning shows up, and I'm like, yeah, here we go. And I get a phone call and says, hey, Tim, just so you know, um, a plane went off the runway a little bit at SFO, but I think you're going to be okay, because um, they said that you guys with the, red, with the red-eye flight, that you should be all right. I'm like, okay, cool. We're good. We're good. So here we go, we gather up, all the kids show up, the bus is there, we're waving bye to our parents. My parents weren't there, but everybody else's parents, we're hugging, holding hands, we get on the bus, and we're like, Costa Rica, you know, and we're heading on the way there. About halfway there, I get a phone call that says, look it, SFO is shut down. There's no flights going out of SFO, nothing's happened. And you know, I'm like, Houston, we have a problem. What are we going to do here? Right? And this is going on. We turn around and we're all looking and we have our phones and stuff. We're going, well, maybe we can find a flight in like Sacramento that then can connect with the flight that we need to connect to go to Costa Rica. And so we're doing this and we find a flight. We find a, a flight that has enough seats in it. And we're like, perfect. And we turn the bus around. Now we're heading to Sacramento. Costa Rica. Right? And as we get there, I jump out. I run into the terminal. And guess what? I'm greeted by like a million people. They had the same idea as me. And I'm like, uh, 
Uh, and I wait in this epic long line of super frustrated travelers. The kids in the bus are out there going, Costa Rica. I'm like, yeah, awesome. It's not going to happen. Um, and I get up to the front, and the lady looks at me. She's like, I am sorry, sir. There is not a seat anywhere. You're not going to get on a plane for days here. We are so backed up because of San Francisco. It is a mess. And then I'm like, why? What are we going to do? All these kids. It's not going to work. I go in and I get to the bus and Greg's driving the bus for me. And Greg's like, what's going on? I'm like, there's no, there's nothing. And he's like, well, can we drive there? I'm like, I don't know. How far is it? He's like, 3,900 and something miles. You know, 80 hours on the bus. We can do it, right? Like, okay. Um, We drive back to the church. The kids discouraged to go home for the evening. And I'm just going, what do we do? I spend the evening on my laptop. I'm looking through every single option I can think of. Is there any way to get there? We'll take a train. We'll take a boat, a hot air balloon. I don't care what it is. Let's just get there, right? I fall asleep on the laptop. The keys are all indented in my face. And I I woke up by a phone call again. I'm like, oh, no, not again. And I get the phone. And this lady, this mom of one of our students had to drop off another student at the airport, and she's at Sacramento going, hey, what can you do for us? Hey, what can you do for us? And somehow, I don't have any idea how, she called the president, I don't know what she did, but she switched our tickets from this carrier to a different carrier, and she calls me and she goes, look it, I got you a plane flight, but it's leaving from LAX tonight, can you go? And I'm like, huh, LAX, yeah? We can go, yes. So I call the team, we get in, we get some drivers, we all show up at church, and it's like, Costa Riga, here we go. And now we're in a couple of vehicles and we're heading down the I-5, we're super excited, we have plenty of time, right? And I don't know what that day was, but I think it was the no one can drive day, because we ran into accident, stop, accident, stop, accident, stop, and I'm watching my clock going, please slow down. And we kept running into accidents. Eventually, now we're looking at our phones and going, so if we get off the freeway, we can go these back roads, we can wave to some cows, and we can miss this. I saw so much of California that I've never seen before on this trip. And we kept going, we kept going, and this was going well. And we're like, all right, here we go. We get up to the grapevine, and in that moment, we're like, going, okay, we need to get a quick bite to eat, get some gas, and we're getting on our way. And we pull up to the grapevine. Okay, are you ready? I don't think you are. Grapevine, catches on fire. Okay? No joke. I'm not making this up. Okay? You can't make this up. And it catches on fire. All of a sudden, all the traffic is backed up. And we're like, what is going on? And as we get on to the traffic, we're stuck. The vehicle that's with us calls me and goes, um, Tim, uh, the car's, car's not starting. It's not working. I'm like, wait, wait. Can you say that differently? Like, we're right behind you, and it's awesome? And I'm like, oh, my goodness. So they call AAA. AAA shows up. And they're like, you're a goner. This ain't working. And they call us back, and then all of a sudden, the tow truck guy, he ends up bringing, though, this monster tow truck. I never saw it, but monster tow truck. And he's like, what are you, what are you guys doing? He's like, we're missing trip to Costa Rica, right? And, and he's like, wait, what? He goes, he grabs the thing, hooks it on, puts all the kids in the cab, and he's like, I'm getting you to LAX. Let's go. <laughs> he takes off. We're up ahead. This tow truck's following behind. It's just nuts. We come down into, into L.A., and there's traffic. Now, that one's just, that, that's always, right? But it comes into traffic. We get into LAX. Our first team's there. We get through, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. And the lady at the front desk is going, look it, 
we can't keep the gates up that much longer. And I'm like, okay. Then all of a sudden there was a plane delay. And I'm like, what? Plane delay? My favorite thing I've ever heard only at this time. Um, and that sits there for a moment. And I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting. Tom then goes, we got to catch up with the thing. Tom grabs our van, shoots back to meet the tow truck guy. Because obviously he's pulling a vehicle and everything else. It's a mess. He gets, we switch the kids. We get back. Lady's like, look at Tim, you got a minute. And, and we got we to lock the doors. And I'm like, okay, that's 59 more seconds. Tom goes flying in. And I'm like, what? And they jump out. We're throwing the luggage. The kids run. We get on the plane and we go to Costa Rica. And just a little side note for fun. Because the, the tickets were switched, most of the kids got to sit in first class because that's how it moved out. So... But I literally lost years of my life that day. Like extra gray hairs, my crow's feet just like indented. It was nuts. But in hindsight now, right, it's an incredible story to tell. But at the time when it was happening to us in the moment, Tim the human was going, what is going on? Could there be anything else go wrong on this trip? God, please, like help us out here. And our life path can look like that trip. And many times we're left asking this thing, it's like, how did I get here? How did this happen? This wasn't the intended destination. And sure in life, the reality is we all accept the idea that there's going to be some difficulties, right? God tells us this, that in the world you will have trouble. But when they show up, even if we know that, they're still difficult. And we can never fully plan, prepare for chaos, for heartache, for pain, for detours, for life change. Things like a job loss happens, a spouse leaves, financial trouble, health issues, and the list goes on and on, right? In life, we don't get like a digital assistant that shows them and goes, warning, hardship, 2.3 miles ahead, detour over here. No, these situations just greet us. So the main idea today is this, is how do we remain faithful when we find ourselves where we didn't expect to be? When life seems to go off script. And the story of Joseph is one of twists and turns, of ups and downs. It's a picture of what faithfulness in a consistent, unchanging God looks like as we walk in an uncertain day-to-day life. And we're introduced to Joseph in Genesis chapter 37. He's a teenager. He is the 11th son of Jacob. And in the story, in the story begins, he begins the idea is his dad. He shows up and gives a bad report of his brothers. From there then, we learn that his dad loved him more than the other sons. That's an issue. And then his dad gives Joseph this fancy coat multicolored deal, a symbol of status and love and favoring. That's another issue. And you mix this all together and we have a recipe for disaster or in today's world, dysfunction. And as you work through the chapter, Joseph has a couple of dreams that he shares with his brothers and family, both seeming to point that everyone is going to bow down to him. And you can only guess how well that went over, right? Scripture says this, Joseph's brothers thought his dreams sounded awesome and couldn't wait for him to rule over them. Hashtag super excited siblings. 
Oh, wait, that, that's not in there. No, it says that they hated him even more for his dreams and his words. And this is where it seems his life goes off script. He's sent to go check on his brothers. In verse 18, it says they saw him from afar. And before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him and we will see what becomes of his dreams. His brothers are done with him. So he comes showing up. He's like, hey, bros, what's up? And they jump him. They strip him of his coat. They toss him in a pit. They sit down and they have lunch. That's what it says. (laughs) What a scene, right? As they finish their sandwiches, they see this caravan going by of traders. And all of a sudden, they're like, hey, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't lay a hand on him. He is our brother, after all. What if we just sell him off to those guys? That would be awesome. Because that's better, right? No. What in the world is going on here? They're like, we're going to make some money. Woo! They pull him out of the pit, right? Say goodbye. See you, dreamer. And it's off. And this is how it happens in life. Joseph wakes up, favorite son, nice breakfast with dad, he's taking a selfie with his fancy coat on, right? He's, his outlook is amazing. He's, woo, great day, texting friends, setting up the weekend. And then in a moment, you're in a pit. And we find ourselves somewhere where we didn't expect to be. Put, your, put yourself in Joseph's sandals here. I don't think he woke up that morning and said, today's a good day to be betrayed and sold off to a foreign land to never see my dad at home again. No. But we probably all can recall that moment when out of nowhere, life creeped up and things changed forever. In my life map, right, I was going from here to here. And then on a Tuesday, I ended up over here. And how do we process and react to all of that? We could lose it. We could go crazy. We could be like, woe is me. Give up. Life is over. This is the end. Everyone hates me. God hates me. Why was I dealt this hand? Why was I dealt this life? Or despite the difficulty, we trust and hold on to something beyond our circumstances. To someone who knows our circumstances that is with us in our circumstances. And even in the pain, the anger, the confusion, which is so real, by faith we must cling to the one that's in control of everything, even when we can't see any good in it right now. What we don't read here is Joseph complaining, whining, even doubting God. None of that is present. As we move on to 39, chapter 39, Joseph finds himself in a country, in a culture he doesn't know anything about. Once favorite son, now he's a servant in Potiphar's house. And there's no mention of time here. We don't know how long he's been there. But we read something significant. Verse 2 says, the Lord was with Joseph. Verse 3 says, his master saw that the Lord was with him. It's those comforting words that stand out throughout this story. God was with, and others saw this evident in his life. 
When we're young, we find comfort, right? Knowing mom and dad were present. They were there with us. It was safety. It was security. It was love, right? This was noticed by all. God is still intimately involved in Joseph's life and Joseph with God. Verse 6, it says, So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything. So we see that he's adjusting to his situation and he flourishes in it. A Hebrew slave is now running the household of the top military guy in Egypt. Maintaining his integrity, his character, his faith in his God, despite his current situation. And found favor right where God had him. This unfolding story is showing that God is at work even when it's not obvious. Right? And the world likes to call this a thing called coincidence. Right? You've heard that before? The definition says a sequence of events that although accidental seems to have been planned or arranged. And a friend of mine always says, Tim, look it, there's no coincidences, but God incidences happening all around us all the time. My other friend, Albert Einstein, said, oh, you guys know him? (laughs) There's a lot of people. Coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. Now, at this point, all seems somewhat on track. Back then, life's realigned a little bit. He's still a servant, but he's thriving. And then verse 7 comes out and says, and after a while. It's that period where we've been able to finally catch our breath. Life is going good. And then, bam. Welcome another issue. This time, his master's wife starts making advances at Joseph, being way too friendly. She starts using this very, very, very hey approach, right? Hey, you, me, (laughs) let's spend some time together. But Joseph refused. Verse 9 says, how then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? He refused out of his obedience to his Lord. He valued his relationship with God more than the pleasures of this world. No thanks, temptress. See ya. She continues to pursue. He continues to refuse. And then in her anger at the rejection, she lies to the master and says Joseph attacked her. And Joseph then is unfairly thrown into prison. And to me, when I'm reading this, in that part, I'm like, wait, what? Huh? Wait, prison? Prison? For a decision to obey God in obedience to God, and he gets prison. And you want to yell and scream, like, God, come on, make this right. This guy's been through a lot already. But God is not like us. He sees far beyond the situation. He knows what needs to be done in Joseph's life. And he's preparing him for greatness in the years to come. The author is shaping molding the character for the chapters that he's going to walk through later. So Joseph finds himself in prison, a dungeon, back in a pit. If you're keeping track, that's pit number two, right? And I'm sure all of us in our lives can look through and go, we have multiple pits that we can remember walking through and being in. 
And you think maybe this time, up goes the fist of God, right? Thanks a lot. Who cares? I give up now. The first pit, whatever. But this time I refused. I did what you wanted me to do. And this is my reward? But no, we don't see any of that. Verse 20 goes on and says, But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. 23 says, The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph. And again, those comforting words, the Lord was with Joseph and he with his Lord. Joseph remained faithful to God. And again, Joseph prospered in what seemed to be an extreme detour of life. While in prison, he ends up meeting these two inmates, a cupbearer and a baker. Says they both had offended their master, the king. I don't know, they you know, cooked the, cooked, the, cooked the breakfast and it was burnt. I don't know what happened. The other guy's tasting stuff. Things aren't working. They make him mad. He sends them to prison. Right In there then, they ask Joseph and they talk to him and say, Hey, we had some dreams. Can you interpret them? And personally, if you're Joseph and you hear the word dreams, I think that would make you shiver because you're thinking back to your brothers and all that moment and then that led to this. And in it, though, he just kind of sits and points to God and says, look it, do not interpretations belong to God. And he listens to them. He answers. One's favorable. The other's not. Cupbearer, hey, you're going to be restored to your position. Baker, I'm sorry. You're going to be executed. And he tells the cupbearer in this human cry, and he just says, look it, when you have the king's ear, please remember me. And they're called up just like he said in three days and they're gone. And I believe that he's sitting in that cell waiting, going, okay, any minute, any minute, they're going to come, right? Any minute, I'm going to be set free. It's going to be awesome. I got to get out of here. He's waiting, he's waiting, he's waiting. But only silence prevailed. In verse 23, it says, the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. He forgot him. And yet another roadblock in a road of many. Chapter 41 begins with these words. When two full years had passed. Two full years had passed. That's 730 days. And my math is not good enough to do any minutes or days or times or anything else. You know, but it is 730 days. And in these situations, you have two choices, right? Become disillusioned and bitter or use the difficulty as a platform for putting our hope and trust in a living God. We may not understand the why of life, but we need to learn to know the who of my life. The verse continues and says, Pharaoh had a dream. God's timing, not ours. Change is coming. Verse 9 says, Then the chief cupbearer said to the Pharaoh, Today I am reminded of my shortcomings. <laughs> oh, that guy in prison I was supposed to tell you about a couple years ago. He can do something about this. So verse 14, So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. Joseph didn't know when he woke up that day, staring in his cell, that everything would change. But by the end of that chapter, Joseph would go from the pit to the palace. 
After 13 years of walking faithfully in the valley, 13 years of life walking, it would finally shift. Psalms 31:24 says, "Be strong and let your heart take courage, all of you who wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. Your ability to remain faithful in unexpected situations is directly tied to your view of God. If my trust is in a God who can move mountains, who can split seas, that's creator of all, I can faithfully walk, wait, take courage, and trust in his timeline for my life. Knowing he's always with me, caring for me, comforting me, refining me to what he's moving me to next. I saw an illustration years ago where they took a puzzle and they showed this beautiful picture in the puzzle. And as they're doing that, they kind of go through and say, look at the idea that this, that God sees and it's the creator of this whole beautiful picture, which is our lives. Yet, we are given a piece at a time. And this piece itself doesn't look like much because I can't make out anything that looks like that in this piece. I can't see any of that from just this piece. But it's in that putting the pieces together, one faithful step at a time, trusting the creator of the puzzle, that in time that full picture is seen and it's completed. In time, the full story of our lives will come into view and we can see how everything that happened fit together and they make the story of who we are. When I was in Costa Rica and that story was unfolding, I couldn't see past the airport closure. I couldn't see past the accidents. I couldn't see past the delays. Right. I couldn't see past the fire, the breakdowns, the time running out. I wasn't able to read ahead to chapter 9 to see us all boarding a plane. I wasn't able to read to chapter 12 when God did amazing things at the camp and lives were changed and students came to Christ. Joseph couldn't see past the pit, the betrayal, the accusations, the prison, the being forgotten. 13 years of his life, his youth gone. In chapter 37, he wasn't able to read chapter 41 when he'd be lifted from that pit to the palace where he'd be elevated from a slave to the second person in command of all of Egypt. He also couldn't read chapters 43, 44, 45, 46, 47, where in that he would save the country from a famine. And in that he would ultimately then save his own family and be reunited with his dad and his whole group of brothers again. But through it all, it says God was with him and he was with his God, walking faithfully in step the whole time.
no matter the situation that he found himself in. Trusting his life with the author of the story. And I want to close by reading a chorus of a worship song that has been just ringing in my head this whole time. And I felt like it was very fitting in this story. It's my prayer for all of us that as we navigate this life journey, that these words just resonate. So I will praise you on the mountain. And I will praise you when the mountain's in my way. You're the summit where my feet are. So I will praise you in the valleys all the same. No less God in the shadows. No less faithful when the night leads me astray. You're the heaven where my heart is. In the highlands and the heartache all the same. Amen. Amen. Let's, Let's pray. Father, we just come to you trusting that we know you're with us. Despite the difficulties, despite the things that we're going through, God, you are there. And in those, we're being molded and shaped and crafted to be what you're designing us to be. And God, sometimes we can only see one itty bit in front, and that's it. But that's you, and that's all that matters. And God, guide our lives, walk through our lives, show us what's next. And the trust that, God, that you have this amazing picture of our lives that's coming together. And we're so grateful for your love and caring for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. For Sunday morning, we always have, over here at the prayer counselors, we have at the organ, um, if you're going through something, if you're in a pit, if life is just wrecked where you're at, I just invite you to come and share in prayer with people that love and care about you and just want to lift you up to our God. We're just a community that wants to walk through this together and love each other. So let's stand and just close in prayer. God, dismiss us with your blessing. Guide our lives. Remind us of the fact that you are in control. The God that can split seas, that can move mountains, is in our lives and walking with us. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys.